The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Well, welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show, and it's great to have you back with us again. And I must say, I'm really thrilled about the show we're going to be doing today because we have a very international lineup. We have our moment of truth given to us by a good friend of mine from Toronto in Canada, and our guest presenter will be in Los Angeles, or I should say is in Los Angeles in the USA, and another good friend of mine. So this is going to be, uh, I know, a really interesting show and we're going to go in a very, very uh, different direction. But welcome to Spiritual Freedom Show on WCET-FM, live in the USA and online. And of course, we're always joined on this show by Darren Ball, who does a lot of work, I've got to tell you, behind the scenes on the Spiritual Freedom Show, uh, including lining up our guests and making all kinds of arrangements and, and see, I think receiving a lot of your comments. And let me just thank you for that. We're getting so many comments and questions coming in, and we're going to work our way through them. As always, I don't know what the questions are going to be before the show. I think that's just far better. And also, I don't know exactly what our moment of truth will be, or exactly what our guest presenter is going to tell us and share with us and lead us in the presentation slot. So it's I'm going to looking forward to it. I hope you are too. And also, may I just thank Tim Roxbury, our producer, uh, who, of course, invited us to do the show and is always our producer. And we're always very, very grateful to Tim for all that he does for the Spiritual Freedom Show. And as listeners will know, if you've heard to us before, uh, our show is based on what I believe to be the greatest set of teachings ever delivered to our world. And I say that with a lot of respect for a lot of teachings. Uh, they're not the only great teachings ever delivered to our world. There's some wonderful teachings through the ages. There's also a lot of rubbish, I'm sorry to say, in my humble opinion. But there are some very great teachings. But nothing, for me, uh, comes close to the nine freedoms. Hence, that is the focus of our show. And if you want to, you can go to the nine freedoms page on www ethereus.org and you can hear all about it and how they were delivered uh, how you can get hold of them in book form in audio form uh, in lecture form um, and all this is available to you but what we like to do on the show here is just concentrate and go in depth on some of the astounding statements in this text which was delivered by a great cosmic master uh, in fact, a great lord of karma, and the pseudonym of that communicator is Mars Sector 6. And I must say, we have the privilege of playing you every week uh, one or two extracts of Mars Sector 6. We're going to be playing one in just a moment. But before I do, I'm going to just explain that that is Mars Sector 6 speaking through Dr. George King. Uh, one of the, I believe, I'd like to say the greatest master in history, but that's he's my master, and of course some of us feel that. But I'm certainly very sure one of the greatest ever to walk our earth, and certainly one of, if not the greatest medium, and it was through him that the nine freedoms were delivered. Now, we have so far focused on some of the earlier freedoms. Uh, you will remember bravery, the first freedom, love, the second freedom, Service the third freedom, 
enlightenment, the fourth freedom. We've touched on some of those. Uh, We have mentioned the fifth freedom of cosmic consciousness, which is the, the deepest state of consciousness attainable on earth, gone by many names through history. Just one of those would be Nirvana. But this time we're going even beyond that. We're going to really now go into much more advanced teaching, the like of which really never has been given to the world as a whole in an easily understandable manner uh, before. And so we're on to the sixth freedom, which is ascension. Now, you've probably heard that word. You may have heard various things about it. Uh, They could be true. They may not be true. We have to discriminate. That's something we really stress on this show. Uh, But let's start by hearing an extract from the sixth freedom as delivered by Mars Sector 6. A practice of the freedoms as given, nor shirk any. For these are the steps from the pit of rebirth. The top of the mountain is ascension. You can, all of you, gain this summit. Some of you will be needed to climb into the pit again. You will volunteer, you will do this, and know everlasting greatness. Others will go on to other forms of service. That's an amazing extract. I think you'll agree with me. Uh, The freedoms as given that we are told to practice are the ones I've mentioned to you, the first five freedoms, because ascension is the sixth freedom. And this is, you know, one of the things about the nine freedoms is its positivity. It is such a positive, inspiring uh, document. It's don't get me wrong, it doesn't mince words, it tells us about the tests, it tells us about the trials, but it does tell us about the goals. And the goal, and this has been long taught for many thousands of years of all of us uh, here, especially in the East, of course, uh, on Earth, is to escape the wheel, as they often call it, the wheel of rebirth. And that is something we're told here that we will all do. That is a very, very, that's freedom, isn't it? That is ultimate freedom as far as this earth is concerned. It's described as the top of the mountain. It's called ascension. And we will go into the really the quality and the nature of ascension in future programs. But let's just be for a moment uh, lifted up by the thought that we can all of us gain this summit, this top of the mountain. And then we're told, and this is what I want to come to today, that some of you will be needed to climb into the pit again and you will volunteer and you will know then everlasting greatness because from the point of view of Mars Sector 6, and that's the only point of view we're really focused on in this show, and the point of view of Dr. George King, that is the mark of true greatness, not uh, embracing 
initiations, enjoying the fruits of initiations, but being willing to give up the fruits of the initiations to go on and serve. It's the goal to which we're all headed, ascension, and it's been achieved by certain ascended masters, perhaps a fraction of those who've claimed it, but nevertheless, it has been achieved. Sometimes they are referred to as bodhisattvas. That word can be used in different ways. And a considerable number, maybe hundreds, uh, most of whose names aren't known, actually, in these days. There there aren't a great deal of well-known, famous ascended masters. There are some. One, just to name one, is Count St. Germain, who's perhaps one of the best known. But what a wonderful thing that that's where we're all headed. And as Mars Sector 6, we'll step from the pit of rebirth, and it won't be then necessary for us to reincarnate upon Earth again, because we'll have learnt and, more importantly, mastered all the lessons that incarnation on Earth can offer us. And once we've been able to do that, and I'm sure a lot of us feel we're a long way from that goal, but once it happens, uh, we won't need them anymore. Uh, This doesn't mean that we have to experience everything the world has to offer. That's a real misnomer. Most of what it has to offer isn't necessary for evolution, by the way. But it does mean that whatever life experiences we become attached to will have to be mastered. The attachments will have to be transmuted so that they become unnecessary experiences for us. And then we will quite obviously not need them anymore. That's a real contemplation, I think, right there. But what Mars Sector 6 does in the Sixth Freedom, I believe, is tell us something the ancient teachings never explained as well. He says that some of us will be needed to climb back into the pit again, not to reincarnate again, by the way, but in ascended bodies. And you you, you may have heard of those in various teachings uh, in theosophy. Be careful, please, because there are a lot of claims out there. And by the way, I don't expect you to take my word for any of the things I'm saying here. Check out what I say. Check out what we say in the Ethereum Society. Check out what Dr. King says. He was the first to say that. But also check out the other claims you find, because there's a lot of them out there, and they can't all be true, because they don't all agree with each other. But an ascended body is a body in which we don't age, uh, we don't die, but we are on Earth. We are Uh, we've accepted, uh, or they have accepted, I should say, being tied karmically to this earth. And and Mars Sector 6 tells us we will volunteer, uh, some of us, to do this, those of us who are needed. Uh, Service doesn't end with ascension. It could almost be a beginning in a way, because then we can really serve as never before. And we can only imagine the caliber, the depth, the ability, the wisdom, the compassion of the ascended martyrs, male and female, who have done this and are doing this right now, even now, the moment you're hearing these words, there are ascended masters in various positions, in various locations, retreats, as they are called, some of them in mountains, uh, inside mountains, uh, standing by and enabling us to continue to gain experience. It's a massive sacrifice for them. It's a great limitation for them. And this, as Mars Sector 6 said there, is everlasting greatness. And he tells us that those who are not needed to return will also go on to other forms of service, but their sacrifice won't be, probably, 
uh, depending what they do, but may not be so great because they, they are less limited by far than those who choose and, and, and volunteer to come here. Service is the true expression of divinity, God, whatever name you wish to give it, that's the true essence. Not meditation, by the way, so much today, uh, but service. Now, these ascended masters form what has often been called the Great White Brotherhood. But I want to stress when I say that they are not all male and most of them are not white. So this name has nothing to do with race or gender. Uh, a more correct name would be really the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. And uh, I have to say I was very honoured to take part on three occasions in what are known as standbys, Great White Brotherhood standbys, only, not because of me in any sense at all, only in deference to Dr. King, my master, my teacher. And one thing that I really felt for what it's worth uh, on those uh, standbys, standby being a period of time when you are technically, uh, as Dr. King explained it to me, a member of that of the Great White Brotherhood during the time of the standby, uh, was my great shallowness. I've got to tell you, I, I really felt uh, aware of the lack of depth of perception in those moments. It was as though, you know, if I realized something, it would be skin deep compared to a realization of these great, beloved, male and female ascended masters. And it's bad enough for some of us who are spiritually inclined, shall we say, to have to live among the squalor, the greed, the hate, the jealousy, the violence, all the things we find on this level, not so much on the higher levels, but on this level, uh, to see such low standards, such uh, poor, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't want to paint a totally negative picture, there's some wonderful people uh, doing fantastic things, we've talked about that before, making great sacrifices, but for an ascended master, this is a very, very backward, extremely lowly place to be but however it feels to us it's nothing compared to the limitations these real heroes and heroines if that's a word you can use now I'm, I'm never sure what the latest fashion is on that but these male and female ascended masters endure it without much if any recognition from humanity uh, not much belief even in them uh, as a, and they do it to save us it's not even just serving us they are saving us because without them, civilization as we know it could not continue for very long. It's they above all other terrestrials who are holding the karmic balance of continued existence. I, I, if you don't mind, I'll repeat that because it's a very important facet of what they do. They do many, many things, but this is one thing they're doing. They are holding the karmic balance of continued existence existence and without them as i said earlier and dr king explained in detail we wouldn't last very long could be minutes uh, they are holding the karmic balance in place and i don't think you're going to hear that on any other radio show that i know of today i mean if you do i'll be absolutely delighted please correct me i want to be corrected on that but i don't think you're going to hear that in many radio shows uh, that is real spiritual freedom but used in great limitation, which they accept for our well-being. And that, by the way, is more important, I would suggest, than any other news that might be broadcasting today on any other uh, radio station, because these are the great ones who walk among us. And let's just say again and repeat 
what I mentioned earlier about Mars Sector 6, let's be positive. We are given a promise here. We are told we can all achieve this monumental goal. So that gets us the ball rolling, as it were, on the sixth freedom, on ascension, on the Great White Brotherhood. And I think now it's time uh, to introduce my great uh, collaborator on this show who comes on every week and, as I say, plays a massive part behind the scenes in the show. And that is Darren Ball. Welcome to the show again, Darren. Hey, Richard. Fantastic to be here again. And uh, have we been getting many questions this week? Uh, I, I'm loving it. I have to tell you, um, I've, you know, <laughs> I've I've uh, kind of been on point to respond to people for for years now. But we've um, it's been great to have the kind of the interaction happening and the conversation around the show. Um, so I'm going to be sharing a few of those with us um, with everybody today. Great. I thought I just before I jump in, I just uh, remind everybody that do write in, definitely do write in. Spiritual freedom is Richard Lawrence at UK. If you have any questions. Um, that you'd like Richard to answer, or you have a comment even that you'd like to share, an experience even with the Nine Freedoms. Um, I also invite you to check out Richard's website. That's richardlawrence.co.uk for other podcasts and interviews that he's done on on shows like uh, Coast to Coast, Collective Evolution, etc. So um, I thought I'd jump in here, Richard, and uh, since we're talking about spiritual evolution and the destiny to which we're all headed, I picked out this question here from um, somebody who asked the following, which I thought was really spot on. They said, I've been curious about something. After many lifetimes of patience and much evolution, what becomes of a soul that has attained godlike awareness? Is it that you continue to serve other lower developed spiritual beings, or does one become truly one again with all things, being part of God in the true sense? My goodness. Is that the end of the question, Darren? That, that, that is a perfect... What's relief for you? Yeah, yeah. No, but what a perfect question for this particular show. I, that really is amazing, isn't it? And as I said I earlier, I'm, I haven't heard any of these questions until Darren gives them to poses them to me on the show so yeah absolutely because i think it hits a really important point because if you look at some of the particularly the ancient eastern teachings but you find it in the west too with concepts of heaven and so on it's like you've come to the end of the road after well some people would in western religion say after one life but uh, even in the eastern tradition you you attain this state which often was called nirvana and then you amalgamate they used to say with with god but of course, there's a long way between even Nirvana, uh, a state I want to say that Dr. George King himself has personally entered. Uh, it's very rarely entered, and we will talk in a future show about uh, some of the things he described about that state. Um, so you have that moment where you get as close to contact with the spirit uh, as you can get on Earth. It's not actually total contact, but it's uh, as close as it gets. It's a blissful state. It's a wonderful state. But is that the end? Absolutely not. And that's what the Nine Freedoms tells us. It tells us where we go next. The ascended masters who come back, who volunteer to come back, they have not only entered cosmic consciousness or nirvana or seedless samadhi or whatever name you wish to give it, they have mastered it at will uh, over a period of lives, and they have volunteered to really forego it i mean they have ascended and then they could go on to much greater experiences interplanetary experiences solar experiences uh galactic experiences instead they come back here why to serve because they are enabling us to gain further evolution so that's a great question and i hope i've given a, at least some kind of an answer to it 
Mm, yeah, I've got another one here for you, actually. Interesting one, um, I think, because there's a lot of confusion, I think, about this next point is one that Dr. King was very clear about. I think ties into our theme today as well. And so this person says, if people get what they deserve and someone is suffering, why should I interfere with their karma by helping them? Right. Well, you know, that's uh, that's a misnomer, I think, which did happen, actually. I believe, I'm no expert on this, there could be some or were maybe some Hindu sects who or, or groups who actually stated that you shouldn't interfere with other people's karma. But of course, the whole essence, let me say, first of all, if someone is going, if any of us uh, have karma coming to us, uh, it will come. The only person who can absolutely alter that permanently is ourselves uh, by changing our karma, by service that we give and so on, and ra raising our thoughts and all the other ways. But if you can help another, you could be the very karmic agent mm -hmm. to bring about that help that that person has karmically deserved, and you should try to do it. Otherwise, you'd never help anybody at all ever, would you? Um, so, of course, we should give service. We should give healing. We've spoken about that before. We should do all these things through prayer and, and to animals as well as humans and all life. We should serve to the limit. Don't worry about it. If, if you are not meant to or if they're not meant to be helped, karma will kip, you know, kick in, as it were. But until that point, you, we should all act as though we are the very karmic agents through love, through compassion, to bring about the help that person needs. Otherwise, you wouldn't help people in, in you know, earthquakes, anything, would you? Of course, that's the whole essence of it. And people who, who, who I've heard that before, by the way, it's not a criticism of the question mm. at all. It's mm. a real mistake that's crept in somewhere. And it, it's certainly wrong. Dr. King himself has spoken about that. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful thought you shared about, you know, the role we all have as karmic agents. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I think we are ready. Uh, and this is very exciting, isn't it? For our guest, uh, for a moment of truth, uh, from a lady who is right now in Toronto, uh, in Canada. She's a, a staff member of the Ethereum Society. She's actually uh, a pharmacist by day, but she helped to start the Toronto group 40 years ago. What a fantastic and a great group it is. I've had the tremendous pleasure of visiting that group and attending meeting there. And they're a wonderful group led by Laura Shapiro. We're going to hear her in a, mo in a minute. Uh, she still runs the group, and she's going to now share with us the moment of truth that inspired her to follow this path. Hello, hello, Richard. Hello, Laura. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so I want to go back, actually, 40 years or more, actually. I was in university at the University of Toronto. I was uh, in my pharmacy class, you know, course. Uh, and my friend, my best friend that I had met uh, when I went to school there, it was a five-year course, we, um, we headed off and she, her boyfriend raced motocross. And so on the weekends in the summertime, I would go with them. I would, uh, you know, travel with them and we would go, you know, across the countryside to, to these motocross races. And... The boyfriend's buddy was Alan Jaggard, who is now co-organizer with me and our media spokesman. But, okay, so we go back to that time. 
I hit it off with him. I would see him, you know, periodically at these races. And uh, he didn't live in Toronto. He lived in Burlington. So um, it was Christmas that first year that I met him. And he invited me to come to stay at his parents' house over Christmas. Now, you have to go backwards a bit. My upbringing is Jewish. So I never had Christmas in my right, life, right. right? So and he invited me to come over for to stay at Christmas. You know, I was like a little kid, you know, presents and the whole thing. Like it was, it was wonderful. It was great. And um, in the evening times, you know, he would tuck me in and it would be all dark. And with a flashlight, you know, he would read me the introduction of the nine freedoms, that was like oh. my bedtime story. It was like crazy. You know, 18,600,000 years ago, you know, you lived on Maldek. It was like, what? I didn't know any of this. It was like, what the heck is he talking about? I didn't know about any Eastern philosophies. I didn't know anything about other religions. I hadn't looked into anything. He told me about, you know, karma and reincarnation. I thought that was a little bit weird and wacky, but okay, that was cool. But um when he read this story to me, I was like, my eyes were like wide. And, and then he would only read a bit of it, I think, each night. And then in the daytime, you know, I'd be thinking about it. And um, when he got to the end of that story, I was like, wow. I think it, like a light bulb went off. I was like, I could almost like I could remember something. <laughs> and, mm. um, and it was kind of, that was my moment of truth. Because after that, I wanted to read the Nine Freedoms, of course, which he lent to me, and the Twelve Blessings. And then he took me to uh, meet his grandmother, who, um, her name is Ida Galloway, was Ida Galloway, she's passed away now, but she was uh, in the Aetherius Society since the late 1950s. And she actually um, had letters, handwritten letters that she had written like to the Theosophical Society. She had letters from the master KH. Um, oh, yes. Right. And she had, she, so when he took me over to her house, like it was like, or she lived in a little apartment. It was like um, crazy that, and she would play for us uh, some, extracts from lectures on cassette of the master. She had real to real um, addresses that he gave, like, uh, I guess, in, you know, the 60s. <laughs> um, she would play these things for us sometimes. She showed us pictures and things. And actually, she, um, she was the organizer of a 12 Blessings Center in Hamilton in uh, 1960. 61 when um the master dr king came to canada and he yeah. he spoke at a spiritualist church in hamilton that's where I've, she lived i've seen the photograph of him speaking that's, there that's yeah that's exactly right so she yeah. she uh she lived in hamilton her house was in hamilton in fact like a, this is off off topic a bit but a flying saucer had landed across the street from her house where she lived in the in the vacant wow. bar beside a um beside a fire uh, no sorry a police station and alan had gone in like the early like the 1970s he had gone to see um that the flying saucer had left like a perfect circle you know burnt in the grass uh hey. yeah right so that's off topic a bit but anyways 
his grandmother was like unbelievable. And she, uh, there was two other ladies in Hamilton that would get together with her, Lolita Sellins and her mother, Antonia. And um, so her, his grandmother had invited us to come on Sundays to kind of be part of their, they would have a little service. She'd play a bit of an address, a blessing she had on reel to reel tapes. And um, so we started to do kind of a little Sunday service, um, and then eventually we drove to Michigan branch, the Detroit branch, which was uh, run by Edna Spencer at that time. And um, we bought a lot of material and, and uh, cassettes yeah. and books and stuff. And um, they put us into contact with another married couple that uh, lived in Toronto. And they, they, it was really weird. They lived like literally less than a mile away from where my apartment was and we got together with them for dinner and then we that's how we started the Toronto group we ended up meeting with them so it was Alan and I and uh Elaine and Ron and they uh we would do the 12 blessings at my apartment that was the that's beginning great of the uh, great story blessings. Laura and what I get from that is when you heard those words read to you from the nine yeah. freedoms like a light you said a light bulb yeah. went on and that's just so good I, I you know that's other people have experienced that type of thing I'm hoping some people listening to this show will experience that type of thing too but thanks so much for sharing with us your moment of truth that was Laura Shapiro you're welcome Thank, Thank you. you. And so, wow, what, what, what another great story and great for this show that it was the nine freedoms that brought Laura to the truth and to the path. And my goodness, she has lived it. But, you know, as, as she said there, 40 years ago, she's been running a group there and it's still running very, very actively uh, today. Fantastic. Thank you, Laura. Well, we're going to move on then now to, uh, uh, by the way, during that, Laura mentioned uh, Master KH, that's one of the Ascended Masters, and Master Kut Humi. Uh, you'll find some of these referred to in Theosophy. Um, there's another one, the Master M, there's a Lord Maitreya. There are some who are known uh, and some who have been misunderstood and had uh, wrongly described, but there are some, of course, who we don't know their names. Their names may have been known once. They may appear in some ancient writings, uh, but they aren't all known and they aren't necessarily interested in being known by the mass of humanity at this time in our history. Well, we're going to do something now that we haven't yet done on the Spiritual Freedom Show, which is not play you an extract uh, from Mars Sector 6 delivering uh, the nine freedoms, but instead play an extract from Dr. George King, the medium who received and channeled these teachings 60 years ago. Uh, and we're going to play uh, an excerpt from him speaking about the sixth freedom in Detroit. So let's listen to these words delivered in 1962 by Dr. George King. Well, even though you will want to go on and have, rebirth, uh, have birth upon another planet, however, if you are needed here, you will volunteer. You will volunteer to come back to this earth might have to volunteer to come back to have lies and rumors uh, and horrible things said about you, but you will still volunteer to do it. Believe it or not, you will. It seems ridiculous, but you will. You will give up the ecstatic uh, or the ecstasy for you of rebirth upon an, of birth upon another planet to come back to the pigsty again. Because you're great enough, you're big enough, 
And this is the mark of greatness. In fact, this is, to me, the greatest mark of greatness. I would almost say it's the only mark of greatness. It's true greatness demonstrated. True greatness demonstrated. Those are the words of Dr. King spoken in 1962 in Detroit about the sixth freedom, about the ascended masters, those who could go on to higher, most wonderful things, as described in the nine freedoms, actually, and we'll come on to that, uh, but instead volunteer to come back to what Dr. King there calls the pigsty. Here, very backward, uh, very basic, um, and he says, in certain cases, to have lies and rumors and horrible things said about them, and that doesn't stop them. It's it's pretty appalling. It's very appalling. But that's what they're willing to put up with. And there's no doubt that anyone who's made a major difference in our world for the betterment of humanity, particularly if they've been in the public eye, is likely to be attacked in one way or another in their lifetime or possibly after it. I mean, there's a real will by dark forces, and I'm afraid there are dark forces. I think uh, people do realize that uh, to destroy the reputation of those who do good if it be the kind of good which dramatically alters human behavior in a positive way and these ascended masters are dramatically in fact they're enabling human behavior human experience i should say uh, and some of them we're told here are attacked and it's particularly true in spiritual matters i could give examples of this uh, but I don't want to give examples because then I'll be doing the same thing myself. But we can think of towering figures, even in recent centuries, who've changed the course of spiritual and metaphysical history. And despite this, or perhaps to be more correct, because of it, attempts have been made to tarnish their reputations. I spoke to Dr. King about one of these people. It was actually the 100th anniversary I think of their passing and a book had been written 100 years later about a great spiritual metaphysical woman uh, who was a real pioneer and uh, she was, a new book came out just purely to attack her with new rumors. And I remember I was talking to Dr. King about this over dinner uh, in his uh, home in, in Los Angeles and he stood up, which was unusual for him, in the middle of dinner, started walking around the room. He said, this is a tribute to the great work of this individual. And he said, this individual is in the Great White Brotherhood now. Uh, I, I don't think he necessarily meant this person had ascended. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But certainly that they are a member at one level or another of this spiritual hierarchy. And I, I think it's because of jealousy, resentment, and just the desire that people sometimes have to destroy these towering figures. But how great that they still come back. You don't even actually have to look at uh, great ascended masters. You can look at artists, composers, inspired writing writers. And some of them, let's face it, have made mistakes, but they've been brought down in some cases and stopped in certain cases by being attacked uh, with foul uh, lies and rumors and sometimes by jealous individuals now it's a great honor to perform powerful spiritual service in some way such as spreading important truths to the world such as enlightening the world with wonderful vibrations but it can come at a karmic price which might include 
vilification by the haters of truth. And if it does, we're required in these days, and that's where we come back to the first freedom, by the way, to practice bravery. And in these days, to fight, uh, to fight with truth and with love, not fight physically, of course, uh, but above all, to continue. And the tests will come in other ways. That is just one way. It's interesting, actually. I was surprised, I must say, when these words were brought to my attention uh, quite recently, and I first heard them, not surprised by the fact that they would be attacked in this way, but surprised by the fact that Dr. King chose to highlight that one thing about them, because there are so many ways that truly spiritual people can be and sometimes are attacked. I'm afraid it goes with the territory on this physical realm. I want to say that on the higher realms, uh, not at all. On the higher realms, they would be celebrated. On the highest realms, they would be followed uh, and in a de most devotional manner and an extremely obedient manner, an obedience of the own, the own choosing or their own choosing of those on those higher realms, but not here. But now, what surprised me was the fact that he, he brought out that aspect of their sacrifice. And when you think about it, they make many sacrifices. I mean, enduring the vibrations here, I've mentioned that before. And the limitation opposed, and this is something perhaps we haven't thought about so much, on their innate powers. I mean, they have these powers. They've obtained them. Powers are not the goal and never should be the goal of spiritual development. But they do come, and you can always use this as a yardstick in your discrimination. I can think of very well-known people who claim to be enlightened and yet have not demonstrated higher spiritual powers, don't even claim to have done. And I'm afraid, well, I'm not afraid, I'm sorry to say that that can't be right. I mean, those powers would come. And if you're an ascended master, they have these powers at their disposal, but they've given these up. Uh, they, they, they have them, but they are not allowed to use them because of the karma of humanity. That's a tremendous limitation placed upon them. And they have a supreme patience. Uh, they have to watch as we crawl through evolution. They won't force us. Uh, they won't interfere with us. They will guide us where they can. That's extremely difficult from their point of view because they have to work with the people who are open to accurately receiving that guidance, which I'm afraid isn't very common. And they've sacrificed this blissful, beautiful, unlimited interplanetary experience. And so we have to take a lesson for this, and we have to know that uh, they are above any terrestrial on Earth who has not ascended whether they be artistic geniuses, spiritual teachers, anything else. We're all working through our karma, but they are not. They aren't coming back here because they karmically have to come back here. They're ready to move on. They don't need this experience. They're coming back, sometimes in the face uh, of despicable lies and rumors and many other sacrifices. And that, says Dr. King, is true greatness. Now, you could take that in one way. You could take it as a negative lesson, but I don't. To me, this is a highly inspiring lesson. And because we all, I'm sure you, have to face resistance in one way or another. It might be a very different way. In fact, it might be very close to home. It can even come from those closest to us who perhaps don't want us 
to take to the spiritual path. Uh, they don't even think they're harming us when they try to stop us. Uh, but they are, or they're attempting to, and we mustn't let them, not only for our sake, for their sake too. It wouldn't be at all helpful to their karma. Or it might be from people in a working environment. But if these ascended masters are willing to put up with it, and they don't even have to be here, then those of us who do have to be here should follow their lead and rise to the occasion, no matter what reaction we get from what Mars Sector 6 once brilliantly called in another transmission, the pessimistic dwellers. He talked about an evil made up of lies and pessimistic dwellings. And I'm afraid that does exist on Earth, and particularly where you have people making spiritual inroads. Uh, some people react against that. Some forces react against it. They want to stop it. And we, in this day and age, have to fight it, and we have to continue and not let them stop it. So if your work for humanity should bring any kind of dark force influence into your life, and I hope it doesn't, and we have to be very practical about this and not imagine this, but you can almost be reassured or encouraged because it shows actually the real value of what you're doing. And like the ascended masters, you can triumph over those who would try through whatever means to stop you by standing firm. You know, stand firm, choose well, know God. Standing firm, fighting back with truth with love, not with anything else, fighting back with light, and above all, continuing in your great spiritual work, and you'll then stop them from stopping you, and you'll be helping them, by the way, by not allowing them to do this. Uh, so that's, I think, a great teaching there given to us by Dr. King about this example of the Ascended Masters. And I'm now very pleased to say that we're going to be moving on to our next guest, our guest presenter of today. That's Paul Nugent, someone who spent many years actually very close to Dr. King's side in Dr. King's latter years, uh, was one of his aides and has been actually very active in interfaith in America. He is an emeriti board member of the Southern California Committee for a Parliament of the World's Religion. I know him very well indeed. He's a good friend of mine. He's a fellow international director of the Ethereum Society. Uh, that's Paul Nugent, and he's going to lead us uh, in an aspect of a practice uh, which uh, is a very important one. It's one actually that uh, at one time was a guarded secret for thousands of years used by the Great White Brotherhood. So it's very appropriate to what we're talking about today, but in this day and age, it's been made available for all of us to use. So welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show, Paul Nugent. Well, thank you very much indeed, Richard. It's, it's my great pleasure and honor to not only join you at any time, but particularly, I guess, to join you here on this new uh, Spiritual Freedom Program. And congratulations to you. Uh, I think that... Uh, I mean, listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, this guy should be on a radio show. And of course, well, this, <laughs> this guy is on a radio show. He has his very own radio show. And I think you're right. I mean, this particular practice, if, I think if anybody is finding themselves being attacked um, for whatever reason, and certainly uh, unjustifiably, 
this spiritual practice is one of the very best things that they can do because it's a profoundly uh, cleansing and healing practice. It's a very ancient practice. It's a practice which we use uh, in the Aetherius Society at the start of all our um, spiritual uh, uh, services and, and indeed personal practices. Uh, I was inspired to, to do this one because actually just a few months ago I happened to have been spending the weekend at Dr. King's private home uh, north of here uh, in Santa Barbara and for various reasons I had to uh, use the floor of his bedroom, something I've done before in Los Angeles, that's another story entirely. But um, in the morning, uh, being in his bedroom, I did practices, and I got a very clear and distinct color as to, uh, of this actual practice, what, what we call the violet flame practice, um, because I had a handkerchief, and I was sort of given an image that this flame is the very same color as this handkerchief that I had with me at the time. Um, it's, it's a blue-violet flame that we're visualizing, and I'm going to lead everybody in that in just a moment. But one other two, a few other comments about it. I remember in um, one of Dr. King's um, lectures uh, on spiritual practice, metaphysical, metaphysical classes he gave in 1966, and he said all the ancient mystery schools would have practiced uh, mantra, pranayama, which is, of course, yoga breathing exercises, and visualization. And I was actually a little surprised that, that visualization was included, but clearly um, visualization is a very uh, powerful and important spiritual practice. And uh, as I say, this violet flame is very much um, a visualization exercise. So before we do it, um, well, uh, let me just describe it. It's, it's visualizing a violet flame coming up through our feet and right the way up through and around our body, through our aura, and taking it up above the top of our head. And this energy, this violet flame, is coming from the very logos of the Mother Earth. It is, as you say, an ancient practice um, that was, has been used, obviously, throughout the centuries by great beings who understood this flame, who probably even encountered this flame, if not directly encountered this flame, uh, and knew that it's all transmuting, uh, healing and powerful cleansing uh, at, at atmosphere that it brings to the individual, anybody who practices it. And, and as I say, just sort of, um, researching this violet flame a little bit, I came across um, something, a, a lecture which Dr. King gave uh, in a place called Monk Breton, which I understand uh, is near Barnsley, which is where we have one of our centers uh, in England. Uh, a lecture he gave entitled The Cosmic Plan in May of 1960. And Dr. King said, when you say, blessed is the Mother Earth, which of course is the seventh blessing from the 12 blessings, when you say, blessed is the Mother Earth, virtually you are sending a blessing from yourself as a tiny little speck of sand upon the great desert of humanity. You're sending a power down to the Mother Earth, and by the law, the great law, 
the all-pervasive law of God. She returns this power, and you can see it, physically see it. It looks like a great violet-coloured flame. It comes right the way through your body and right to the top of your head. Some of you are even nodding your heads. I know that you have seen it and you have experienced it. The power of the violet flame, talked about for thousands of years behind locked doors, and now you've got the key. It comes from the actual logos or life force of this earth. When you send out your power to the Mother Earth, by the great law, you are activating the law on your behalf. Up comes the power from the earth, and your vibrations alter. So I think now we all want to practice that. And we do this by sitting upright in our chairs or stand. Best of all, actually, is to be barefoot on, on, the, on the grass or the ground of Mother Earth herself. That's best of all. But for this moment, let us just be seated with the eyes closed and the spine erect. And the head tilted slightly backwards. Fingers spread out upon the knees. And let us just take a few deep rhythmic breaths to come still in mind and body. And let us become conscious of being here in this desert of humanity upon the surface of this great planetary goddess we know as the Mother Earth, whose mighty flame now burns within her large heart. And let us send our blessings to this Mother Earth beneath our feet, this great planetary Logos. Spend just a few moments understanding her and her sacrifice. The limitations she has taken upon herself. This is the greatness we have heard about in this program. True greatness, true sacrifice and true love. And as we become more conscious of this sacrifice and this love of the Mother Earth, let us be receptive to this violet flame which she offers to us all willingly who make this request. And see this blue-violet flame coming up through your feet and take it up through your body and around your body in the aura. And take it up above the top of your head. As high as you can visualize. 
And as this living flame flows through you, feel yourself being cleansed and healed, transmuting all the dross, the negativity, the falseness, Just now send your love and appreciation back to this great planetary goddess. And as Richard referenced earlier, understand beyond the shallowness, the deeper aspect of what it is to be here, conscious upon this planet working our way through the essential lessons towards that mountaintop of ascension. And the sacrifice made by the Mother Earth for us to each have this opportunity in our spiritual evolution towards attaining spiritual freedom. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I think that was great experience for everyone. I, th I, I don't know. It sounded like there was either a, a clock ticking, and at the same time you were out in the desert somewhere, so some animals and so forth. But what a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience you've given us there of that great practice, the violet flame. And Darren, um, I'm going to ask you to come back in now, if you would, please. Uh, because we just have, I think, time for one question, maybe. Sure, I've got, I've got one here. I think um, that I think is a kind of good comes back to this theme of karma and reincarnation that we've been talking about earlier, um, and a perfectly reasonable question for people to ask. And they say, when we return to this earth reincarnated, why do we not keep any conscious memory of our past lives? Surely this would help us advance spiritually more quickly right that's a long question and we could give a longer answer sometime when we've got more time but i would just say this this question was answered by a, a great master on the highest realm of earth called master chang fu through dr king and he said that uh, in in a, in a very inimitable way but he said that it wouldn't necessarily be good for us to be able to remember all these things we wouldn't necessarily handle it very well uh, some of these things we've done in the past are not good at all and so you can gain the experiences and rest the experience from them without actually having to remember exactly who you were there's another danger i think which people can rightly or wrongly when they think they've remembered a past life flip back into that life and we're not meant to be doing that we're meant to be moving on and gaining more experience and that's a very quick brief answer i have to apologize for that because we really have run out of time now i want to thank our guests from toronto was laura and from la was paul that's Laura Shapiro, Paul Nugent. I want to thank again our producer, Tim Roxbury. And I want to thank uh, Darren Ball, of course, as always, joining me, organizing the show. Do check out the Nine Freedoms page on www.ethereus.org. These are, I believe, the greatest teachings we have ever been given in our history. And we're going to end with a 
quote from these teachings, which we always do like to end with on the Spiritual Freedom Show, and that is that service is the jewel in, and I'm sure you know this by now, the rock of attainment. Listening to WCT Talk Radio like no other. Hey, late nighters, keep up with all things WCET Radio by joining our mailing list. Just go to the bottom of the homepage and fill in the stay informed form. Then click the Get Latest News button. You will get everything from guest info and show info and other important station related information. So sign up now and get a special promo offer just for email subscribers. Late-nighters and WCET radio listeners around the world, listen up. The shop is here, and you can order WCET radio and your favorite show's swag right now and show your friends and your neighbors you're awake by wearing one of our many shirts, including our Stop the Censorship shirt. That one is a hot seller, so get yours while supplies last. We have coffee mugs, clocks so you never miss your favorite shows, books, mouse pads, and more coming soon. Just go to WCETradio.com and click the shop link. That's WCETradio.com and get to shopping. Pet Connect Plus offers a connection to your pet, living or past with the use of tarot. Ruby, the owner and intuitive reader for Pet Connect Plus, will make a connection to your pet for guidance on specific questions and general past, present, and future readings of your pet. A connection with an owner and a pet together will run $55 for 50 minutes, or a connection with one pet alone is $35 for 30 minutes. What a deal. Pet Connect Plus can be found at PetConnectPlus.com and on Facebook at Pet Connect Plus. Connect with Pet Connect Plus so we can make a connection with your beloved pet to provide them with a fulfilling and rewarding relationship with you. Get connected today. PetConnectPlus.com WCETFM has just released the app. So now you can take WCET Radio everywhere you go. Just go to the Google Play Store and search WCETFM. That's WCET space FM and install it. Then it's ready to go. Oh, and did I mention it's free? Well, 
It is WCETFM. We got the app. Carolina Radio, Columbia. Excellent, excellent. Number one means you're always on top. You're, you're, you're number one radio.